Amen, amen. Go ahead and clap just a few more seconds. Because you believe he is able. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen. You may be seated and you may be dismissed, but keep holding on. I'm going to transition while Pastor Zach plays softly here before I get into the word. I'm going to prepare you. What I just sang, hold on a little longer. You're going to need to think and remember about this week when you do spiritual disciplines of prayer and fasting. Because if you intend to obey the Lord, deny your flesh, and get close to Him, then the devil's going to see to it that you're discouraged or attacked. But you're going to have to hold on a little longer because God never asked you to do anything that He won't give you the strength to do it. Say amen, church. Let let me tell you this. Americans, I included, we know how to eat fast food. We just don't know how to fast food. Yes, you with me? As far as I know, through documentation, nobody's died from fasting. But a lot of people died from fast foods and other kinds of wrong food. So if you tell the Lord, I got a 24-hour window where I'm going to exchange food for the flesh for spiritual food. I'm going to get my Bible when I, when I take my lunch break. I usually take 30 minutes and I go eat in the break room or wherever I go to a nearby restaurant. But I'm going to put myself in the car or a quiet place and take my Bible and a little notebook. And the time it takes for me to eat that food... I'm going to pray, write my journal, read my Bible, and get strength. Listen now. In a moment, I'll tell you why fasting is necessary, but I'm getting you ready. And I know it's the second Sunday in the year, and you're thinking, I always believe God orders my step, but he led me to a church where they're preaching on fasting. That must not be God. It is, because it's in his word. So let me tell you our schedule here this week. And let me not impose on you any guilt or any kind of human manipulation. In your worship folders, the ushers are going to come and assist you. There's a slip, a prayer request slip. We're going to pray over those this week and beyond. Fill it out. Ushers, walk up and down the aisle, if you will. If you don't have one, get one from them. And before you leave, write the prayer concern request. You want to see answered, not just this week, but beyond. Take it, and after the service, bring it and put it in the prayer chest right here. And leave it here. Because I know all of you can't be here at all the prayer opportunities. You can't. You've got jobs. You've got families. You've got business. But wouldn't it be great to know that while you're away, somebody's praying for you? Say Amen. Wouldn't it be good to know that while they are away, you are praying for them? So write it now. Now, you're not writing it to the pastor or the staff. You're writing it to God. We might look at it, but it's not our, it's not our really our personal mail. So you don't have to uh, feel like you're writing it to us, and you don't have to be in case that we might look at it and others. 
You don't have to be as explicit or detailed if it's something that's confidential and you just need to be brief. Why I'm asking you to do this is keep going up and down the aisles, if you will, ushers. And if you see an usher and you don't have a slip, get it from them. I want you to be specific when you pray. And not just God bless everybody. He does that anyhow. But there's a cancer. Say, I want God to get rid of cancer cells. If there's a wayward son or daughter, I want God to return my family. If there's a broken marriage, if it's a financial situation, if you need a job or a car, an apartment, and you believe you're sowing seeds, see, write it down. At the end of the service, I'll ask you to bring it forward. Here's something else I want you to know for a week of prayer and fasting. Beginning this tomorrow morning and each morning through Friday, we'll have the church open at 6.30. And we'll be praying from 6.30 to 7.30, but it'll be open all day. Now, it's work and it's school. If you can stop by for five minutes, ten minutes, you're entirely welcome. If you stay longer, you're entirely welcome. It's going to be open. All day long it's going to be open. Then from tonight till Thursday night, not Friday night, but through Thursday night, beginning at 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock, we're calling the church to prayer. Say amen, church. When I say the church, I'm saying that if you are available one of those nights, so all of those nights, from 7 to 8, we're going to have corporate, whole, everybody praying. Don't feel like you're going to, well, Pastor, that's an hour. I don't know how to pray an hour. You don't have to pray an hour. You don't have to sit, get on your knees or come to the altar and pray an hour nonstop. We're going to create tools and other kinds of prayer assistance. We have five different stations we'll put throughout the church for prayer concerns. We'll give you a prayer concern each night. Other people will be praying. And when you come together to pray with your brothers and sisters, you'll be amazed how the anointing will come. And an hour will go by if you'll invest it. You don't have to come dressed up fancy. Come as you are. Everybody still with me here? Say amen. So that's the other area of emphasis. And then also, we have prayer cloths available. If you need to take a prayer cloth for somebody, not with oil and pray over, we can make them available to you. Another, another thing I want you to know is that Wednesday night schedule will be the same for our ministries. But here in the sanctuary, Pastor Jeff will bring a brief teaching and we'll return to prayer because the teaching will be around prayer. So, uh, here's, as your pastor and your shepherd, spiritual leader, a lot of times I just like the easy route too. I want the easy route for you. But life is not easy. And the demons are real. And sickness is real. And those who will pray the price will get the miracles. This week you're sowing seeds. You're not going to get all your answers this week because just like planting seeds for spring and, and summer harvest, it takes a while. This week is seed plowing and planting. And my job is to help you see how it will work. I feel like my job is like a dentist this morning who needs to convince you that root, can, root canal is really good for you later. I feel like my job is like our doctor, your doctor maybe. Who says, you know what, that high blood pressure and that clogged artery and some other issues in your health, if you'll kind of get on a regimen of exercise and diet, you can improve your health. And I, I feel like, I, I'm, I, like one of those, one of my job is to convince you that what Jesus said he would do if we do our part, he would do it. Can I get a witness here? So. There's where we are. Stand to your feet, please. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Joel. 
please, chapter 2. Joel chapter 2. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Joel chapter 2 and verse number 12. If you're looking for Joel in the Old Testament, it'll be beyond the book of Daniel. A few pages over, a couple of books maybe. Thank you, Jesus. Look on the screen if you don't have your scripture or share with a neighbor. Now, therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. So rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. And he changes his mind. He relents from doing harm. Isn't that a great God, church? Who knows? If you pray and fast and read the Bible, who knows? If he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Look up just a moment. I'd rather him leave a blessing than a judgment if I have a choice. Say amen. If I have a choice and I can fix it, I'd rather have him leave a blessing than a curse. He can change his mind. He has. Look at verse number 15. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the people. Sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children and nursing babies. Let the bridegroom go out from his chamber and the bride from her dressing room. Let the priests, the pastors, let the priests who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, Spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your heritage to reproach that the nation should rule over them. Why should they say among the people, sinners and heathens, why should they say among the worldly people, where is the God of the church? Where is their God? It doesn't have to happen if we draw near. Amen? Bow, please. Father, I ask you to help us this morning. I'm always conscientious that the devil might want to steal the jewels, the words, the gems of the Word of God. If I'm having to convince these people, I'll never succeed. But if you will help us, O God, together... And anoint us and anoint our ears and anoint our minds and anoint our bodies. We won't have to be convinced with a lot of human effort. The Holy Spirit will convict us and help us to grow deeper and higher. Bless my brothers and sisters. This is not a competition between them and me or not a competition between us and you. You delight to give good gifts to your children. And God, this may be a discipline and some kind of error. People may feel like, I just don't know about this. But would you teach us? And then would you equip us? Give us the capacity to do what you ask us in Jesus' name. Say amen, and you may be seated. Brothers and sisters, uh, this thing of fasting has energy and power that I can't explain. It's one of those mysteries of God. And while I can't explain it, I can share with you what I've learned up to this point. If you know what fasting is, then you know it's a refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. Amen, church? You know sometimes when you go to the doctor and you're scheduled to go to the doctor and they'll tell you if your appointment is, is at 9 o'clock in the morning or whatever time during the day, that, that day comes prior to that day at midnight or even before midnight of the day before you go to the doctor, they'll tell you, don't eat or drink, etc. Am I right on that? Because they figure 
that they don't want any obstructions or such to the x-ray or the MRI or whatever kind of test they're doing. And so if we will refrain from eating for our physical health, refraining for a while, the Lord calls us to refrain from eating for a while for spiritual purposes. Amen? I told you last week, and I don't want, I don't want to uh, belabor this. It's already been preached last week. Three kinds of fast. The first is called a normal fast. Normally that means that you designate a certain time, and you might say from uh, sunrise to sunset or a 24-hour period, where I will not eat any food, I'll just drink water. And that usually, that, that kind of normal fast usually can last for up to three days when you'll need something other than water, perhaps juice or something else. But normally a, a normal fast is about a 24-hour. I told you last week a partial fast is especially helpful for those who are diabetic or otherwise have health situations that they need to deal with. They're on medications and such. And as a result, you want to fast, but, but you can't give up food completely because of the effect it will have on your body. So what you do is you give up meats or you give up sweets or you give up some kind of other type of food and you eat vegetables and drink juices like uh, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did during the time of the Babylonian captivity. That's a partial fast. I told you an absolute fast is a fast what Jesus did and others in the Bible that is certainly God-empowered and you can't do it on your own flesh. An absolute fast is you absolutely fast food and water for a long period of time and in their cases it was 40 days. And I'm not encouraging you to go that route at all if you've not fasted at all. Your fasting experience has been limited. I'm saying to you this week, pray today as you've been praying this week past because I spoke about this last week. And ask the Lord, do I do a normal, partial, or absolute fast? And how do I do it? Because I really want to obey you. Now, now here's, here's what I want you to understand. Let's think about how fasting really works. Uh, what I have discovered, for one thing, demons get very uncomfortable when Christians begin fasting. If you want to upset the devil's plans for you, and you want to upset his imps and demons, try fasting. We know from the Scripture, church, that many of the diseases and ailments and mental problems, many chronic behavioral problems afflicting people, are instigated and are also perpetuated by demonic forces who want to hinder God's people and generally want to torment us. Demons are real. Yes, there is a, there is a visible world, flesh and blood that you see right here, and there's an invisible world. Say amen or me. There, there is a flesh world and a spiritual world. And you know in the Bible we're told that when the devil fell... From heaven because of his rebellion, one-third of the angels of heaven accompanied him in his rebellion. That left two-thirds with God. But the whole fact remains is that demons are the angels' forces of Satan. And I have come to understand when Jesus in his ministry, and reading the New Testament you have too, when he encountered people, they would recognize him as Jesus without him introducing himself. On one occasion, two men demon-possessed. Jesus didn't introduce himself, say anything about who he was. But when Jesus got in the proximity of these two men demon-possessed, they cried out and says, We know who you are. Have you come now to torment us, thou Son of God? And I'm suggesting to you 
that demons cannot stay around too long when a person fasts because fasting unto God creates a totally different atmosphere that welcomes the holy and repels the unholy. Demons are very uncomfortable when Christians who are fasting and praying are full of the Lord show up. Yeah. Jesus said, this power, the same power I give unto you, what I give to you. And when I give to my disciples, I give to you. In my name, you shall cast out devils. Didn't he say that? Not just the clergy and the pastor and those who go to theological schools. Everybody born again can have the same power that Jesus gave to his disciples that he promised to us. But there's a price to pay. And that is to consecrate ourselves in spiritual discipline. I'm going to tell you somebody. If you don't believe demons are real, you're living in a different world. I'm going to ask you, what drives a father to throw four of his children off a bridge this week? His flesh and blood. It, it, I'm not saying that he was completely out of his mind. I think, that it, I think that he had help from demons. That's not normal. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, what causes a man who is now arrested and is accused of and charged for the murder of this young lady who was a hiker and has not only been charged with, it, with the murder, but we've been given the details of this young lady whom he uh, is accused of bludgeoning to death and then decapitating her. What causes people to do that? I don't want to mess up your day, but you're living in this world. You hear the news, so you're not you know, necessarily uh, kind of just born today. It's demonic power. Hours that lend itself. And the only way to break those is by us getting near to God. It's not our power. It's not our word. But we're saying, God, demonic powers oftentimes would attack our marriage, attack our children. I believe that demonic powers get into people who are induced with illegal drugs or even legal drugs and, and they get overdosed. People with alcohol, demonic powers assist them in their misbehavior. But we understand that when we fast and pray, God releases His anointing and by our prayers Oh my, my, my. Uh, I have a book here that Stephen Mary Megley gave to me in 1999 October. The name of the book is The Hidden Power of Prayer and Fasting. Mahesh Shavda, Stephen Mary's in his service, and I've kept this book, and it's been highlighted a lot. And in preparing for prayer and fasting, the Holy Spirit brought me back to this book. Mahesh Shavda, Shavda is, is a converted Hindu. His family comes from Hindus, but he ministers in America, and he, and he pastors a church in Charlotte. He and his wife, Bonnie, a church of all nations. And God has used Mahesh Shevda because he has made himself available to the discipline of prayer and fasting over the years. And God has used him in mighty crusades around the world, and especially in this area of deliverance from demons and darkness and healing. And Mahesh Shevda tells a story of being called in 1973 by, uh, by two pastors. And they called him on the phone and said, Brother Mahesh, we are praying for a man who is a homosexual. And while we were praying for this man, suddenly a demon began talking through him. And the pastor's calling Mahesh Shevda says, we are afraid. The pastor said that. I said, well, just cast. Mahesh Shevda said to them, well, just cast the demon out of him. But they told him again that they were afraid. But he said to them, you are pastors. And the pastors persisted saying, please come and help us. Finally, he agreed to go. Now, now, don't be too surprised now, okay? Because there are pastors, and I'm not trying to, to build myself up bigger than somebody else, okay? There are pastors in America who don't believe in the laying on of hands and praying for the sick. 
They think those days are over. They don't, they don't believe in, 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 in casting out devils in the name of Jesus. So they don't seek God. They don't get near to God. And no wonder when a demon shows up in their congregation or one of their congregants or somebody calls them out to pray, they don't have any power. You know, God's not asking you for a vote whether you believe or not. Just look around you. This world is evil. The devil is real. Pastor, Pastor Maheshev that says, well, I, I responded to their call. I drove to the location where they called me. He said, I opened the front door, but nobody came to greet me. And he said, when I went into the house, I found the two pastors hiding in the broom closet. If they don't know how to pray, they ought to go hide. Now, now I'm telling you this, okay? I want you to understand. Don't you bring your demon friends and say, my pastor's got a shingle outside, and he cast out devils. Just come on over here, and he'll cast them out for you. I'm not advertising for you to bring demons to me, Okay? Because I myself must prepare by prayer and fasting. I'm, I'm not afraid to pray, but I'm not playing with demons either, okay? And some of your friends are demon-possessed. They ain't demon-possessed. They're just mean. That's all they are. You need a good... Well, okay. Mm. These pastors are hiding in the bloom closet. This is a real thing. A homosexual man. And he asked the pastors, what are you doing in the closet? They motioned him toward the house and said, he's out there. Mahesh says, I've been fasting and I went into the room where this man was and the man had been a homosexual for 18 years. When he saw him, the man was standing in the room waiting for a chance to intimidate Pastor Shavda. He said, I could see the demon had come to the surface. He was literally staring out of the man. He said, you could see it because the man's whole countenance had been transformed into a mask of evil. The man saw Pastor Shevda and he said, with an incredibly evil tone, Oh, another man. The demon in the man and the man said to Pastor Shevda, Come in. I'd like to have fellowship with you. Now, let me say this to you. What I'm telling you about Hollywood didn't come up with, okay? I was 11 years old when I came to America in 1968. And I grew up in the island of Trinidad. Where there all kinds of religions and all kinds of gods, including Christianity. My father was a pastor in Trinidad, and I grew up with enough experience of seeing my father deal with people of all kinds of uh, afflictions, including demon possession. And I, I know it's real. I have, I have seen, but my own eyes as a boy, my father pray with people who are demon possessed. I've seen him pray with a woman who had the strength and the power of three men when she was demon possessed, and just probably less than 100 pounds demon possession. I've heard, I heard that same woman. I heard another woman on another occasion. My father was praying with for, de for deliverance from demon demonic power. Their feminine, nice, petite, quiet little voice changed into a masculine voice. Somebody told me in the earlier service, as they were leaving, they were in the service, and they said that they, they also are part of Benny Hinn's ministry, and they travel sometimes in that ministry to help. And, and Steve Brock, many of you know Steve Brock through Benny Hinn's ministry? They told me of a time when Steve Brock and Benny Hinn in a ministry someplace in a crusade, a woman so demon-possessed that she physically took, she was laying on the, on the floor slain, because she was contorted under the power of God, but the demons were still in her. And she picked up at one hand Steve Brock and held him off the ground, his chest like he was up. Demons are real. I'm not here. I'm, I'm, trying, I'm not trying to dramatize. I'm telling you it's real. Pastor Shavda says, it was my turn to talk to this man now, this demon-possessed homosexual man. Oh, he says you want to have fellowship, huh? Pastor Shavda says, do you know what the Scripture says? 
The scripture says, if we walk in the light, Jesus, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sins. Pastor Shavda said that the man demon possessed, he spoke to the demon. Now, demon, can you say the blood of Jesus? The demon in him could only growl. All of a sudden, his cocky, arrogant tone changed. And he said to the demon, Demon, say the blood of Jesus now. Come on. I'm telling you. I remember as a boy seeing my dad place his Bible on a demon-possessed person and they squirmed as if they were just touched with fire because there's power in the Word of God. You can clap if you want to. You don't, you don't have to, if you're prayed up and you're fasting, you don't have to have a wrestling match with the devil and out shout him. If you're prayed up and you're fasting, the name of Jesus. I've, I've, I've heard my dad tell people, demon possessed, say the name of Jesus. And they foam at the mouth and their tongue gets thick in their mouth and they can't say it. This man, when he was told to say the blood of Jesus, could only growl and he said the, the blah, 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 blah and couldn't say it. Because, you see, there's power in the blood of Jesus, power in the Word of God, and power in the name of Jesus. And, and Mahesh Shevda says the man began to regurgitate like he was vomiting. And pretty soon, the demon came out screaming. He says in this book, Pastor Shevda said, I returned to the area where this occurred five years later. Conducting a meeting, he said, while I was there, a man knocked on my hotel door. He said, I remembered his face, but the last time I'd seen the man, he was lying on the floor while two men stood huddled in a broom closet in another room. This time, the man outside Pastor Shavda's door says, I want to introduce you to someone, Pastor. He stepped aside so, he, so Pastor could see the young lady who was with him, and he said, We've been married for five years, and I want you to know that when you prayed for me five years ago, on that day, I was totally delivered. Now I'm married and have normal desires. Praise God. God is the great deliverer. Yeah. Let me tell you something else about the mystery of fasting, okay? The mystery of fasting is such that it releases angels on your behalf. One of the most unused resources available to the Christians is that of angels. The only way we get our angels to work for us is first talking to the Father. Give me an amen, somebody. You cannot just release angels by saying, well, I guess I got one or two or a hundred. I'll just send them out there. No, you have got to be in touch with the Father by prayer and fasting and reading the Bible and seeking God in the walk of your life. And then you can release those angels. Everybody's got angels. God's got so designed, you know, one, uh, uh, one third fell with uh, the devil, but two thirds were left in heaven. So if you do simple math for every one the devil's got, God's got two. But there's more than that. God's got myriads and myriads and Myriads of angels that you cannot even count. But the only way that we can release angels to be our protection and our deliverance and to help us what we cannot do humanly is by fasting and praying and reading the Bible and denying our flesh so, so we can spend time in hearing from God. Do you remember the account in the book of Acts when Peter was in prison? Do you remember the account in the book of Acts when he was in jail for preaching the gospel 
when they crucified Jesus Christ, they thought that was the end of this Jesus business. But after the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people were baptized in water and the church continued to progress. And after the day of Pentecost, the disciples were given power, including Peter. So they laid hand on the sick and they would heal. They cast out devils and the church just began to grow. So the authorities got mad and arrested Peter and they made plans to kill him. They put him in jail. They put him in the inside inner jail. When they put him in jail, they didn't want to lose this particular person because they want to make an example of him. They put iron uh, cuffs on him. His wrists, his ankles in cuffs, iron chains on him. They put a 24-hour watch around the clock for him. They had him sentenced for tomorrow's trial. And if the trial went like the way they would manipulate it, they would also kill him. That was the probability. And the Bible says, Peter realizing that, the church realizing he's been arrested, some people got together and had an all-night prayer meeting at a cottage prayer meeting not too far away from where Peter was in jail. And all night long, they begin to pray that God will be merciful to Peter and spare Peter and watch over him. And let, let me tell you something, friends. If your situation is desperate enough, you, don't, you, you, you won't have to be begged to fast. You won't have to be begged to give up a meal. If, if, if your marriage is so entangled by the way the devil attacks it, and you love your spouse, and you love what you've had in the past, but you see the devil trying to work, you don't have to be uh, mesmerized or manipulated to fast. You'll say, God, I, I don't care if it's steak. I don't care if it's salmon. I don't care if it's a loaded baked potato. I don't care if it's mama's banana pudding. My family is hurting. My child is in jail. Somebody I love is bound by drugs and alcohol. There's a, there's a spot on the x-ray in my, in my medicine situation, medical health, and the doctor said it could be cancer. I will not be tempted by my flesh. I will pray. I will fast. I'll wait on God, and God will do the rest. Somebody give him a hand clap of praise. You know why we don't get any answers to prayer? Because we do all this kind of lay me down to sleep, namby-pamby kind of little prayer. We expect God to give us miracles when we pray kind of prayers like we pray over our lunch or over our breakfast. God is great. God is good. Let us thank Him for our food. By His hands we are fed. Give us, Lord, this daily bread. You've been praying that so long you could fall asleep praying it. No. The Bible says the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent taketh it by force. And if the devil is violently attacking your body and your mind and your finances and your children, it's time for you to get violent in your discipline of prayer and fasting. Yeah. And when you do, here's what happens. They were having a long night prayer meeting. No food, no breath, mints. No pastries. When do we have a break? Praying, agonizing. And you know what the Bible says about Peter in jail? With metal, iron, bonds? He was asleep. Read your Bible. Not when I'm preaching. He was in jail. The possibility of dying within the few hours of dawn. How can a man sleep when he might die that day? It's because he's prayed up. It's because the same God who helped him last week and last month and helped him when he denied Jesus three times and didn't think he was going to deny Jesus, thought his ministry was over. That same Jesus was with him in that jail. 
You see, you don't have to take uppers to get up and downers to get down and be paranoid about an answer after you've been prayed up. Give me an amen. You don't have to gnaw your fingernails to the nub after you prayed up. Help me, somebody. You don't have to see a psychiatrist or psychologist and all this other kind of stuff and they have their right place. But your real answer is fasting and praying and obeying God and living holy. And if you live holy, though hell come against you, the Bible says, if God be for us, who can be against us? You can sleep like a baby. He got, somebody woke him up. Messed up Peter's sleep. It was an angel. Didn't I just tell you, you deplore angels by prayer and fasting? The angel woke him up. He thought it was a dream. Angel woke him up, said, Stand up on your feet, Peter. It's about two or three o'clock in the morning. They're having a prayer meeting down the road. He's sleeping because he's prayed up. His chains fell off automatically. No keys. They come to the first door of the prison, and it opens. They come to the outer iron, metal iron door, and it opens. Hey, when I, when I came to America, I never had seen an automatic opening door before in my life. Never. We live in Lawrenceburg, North Carolina. Went to the Winn-Dixie. Took the shop for our groceries first time. And I stepped on this thing. And the door Open. I didn't have to hold the handle. Man, I was mystified. He never seen no door. It was January. No, it was November. It was cold. You know what? I let my mama go in the store. My sisters. I was so mystified. I just. I know the manager must have thought, "You idiot little boy, go in the store. Stay outside. Quit messing with our door." You think that automatic doors? Now you don't have to step on the mat. They have these uh, sensors above the door. You think those doors were invented in our time? No, no, no. They were invented by the Holy Ghost when they were needed. And, and he walks out. This angel, that Peter's angel, God sent angel because Peter was prayed up. Took him out in the street. It was early in the wee hours in the morning, and just set him on his way. And Peter thought he was having a dream. And boy, he, he made his way to the first place he knew where he could go. He went to the prayer meeting. And he knocked on the gates outside of the prayer meeting. And he wasn't trying to be too loud because the authorities back at the jail didn't know he was gone. Had they known they were coming for him. So he wasn't going to make a scene lest indeed this was a real dream. But it wasn't a dream. It was real. And Rhoda, Rhoda went look out the window. One of the servant girls at the prayer meeting. And Peter, Peter, it's Peter. She didn't go let him in. She told the people, it's Peter. You're crazy, girl. We're praying for him here. I mean, we really don't expect an answer. We are praying. I mean, who are you telling her she's out there? That's his ghost. They ready when you have time. That's his ghost out there. We're going to pray for the real thing. That's what you do sometimes. That's what I do. God says, pray, believe, and obey. And we think, no, it's got to cost me more pain. Yeah, it's got to cost me more pain. It can't be that easy just to believe God. I've got to pull out more hair. Look at me. No more left. <laughs> Rhoda insisted he's out there. They looked out the window with her, and there he was, free and on his way to preach someplace else. I, I don't know how it happens, but if you'll connect with God, he's got angels, emissaries. Let me show you a few things really quickly here. I'm just trying to create in you the yearning to follow, follow this, this. Why do we fast? We fast in obedience to God's word. Somebody say amen to that. I'm simply saying that I read to you the book of Joel in our text this morning, and I told you that God spoke to Joel and spoke to Israel through the prophet Joel and says, Declare fast. Call a solemn assembly. Stop the weddings for a season. 
Let the bridegroom come out of his chamber. Let the bride come out of her dressing room. Let the mothers who are nursing babies, let them be interrupted too. Things are urgent around here. Give me a witness, church. Things, things are desperate. They're real. And we, we need to have a sacred, solemn assembly. And you know, if you just do it because God says it, that's reason enough. Say amen, church. Have you ever told your children to do something and they want to know why, why, why? Give me a witness, huh? Have you told them one time, two times, why, what, 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 because what? And you get so frustrated with that, you say, simply because I told you so. Huh? You ever get frustrated with your children? You want to protect them? You want to bless them? You want to keep them from the wrong crowd, from the wrong atmosphere, from the wrong environment? You say no to them and you have to explain to them. What part of no that you don't understand? The N or the O? Same with God. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Isaiah said, they shall mount up with wings of eagle. They shall run and not be weary, walk and not faint. Just obey the Lord. Can I, can I get an amen? The Bible says man ought always to pray and not to faint. So just obey the Lord. The Bible didn't say praying is optional, nor is fasting optional, nor is giving our tithe and offerings optional. Jesus said in the book of Matthew, when you pray, when you fast, when you give, he assumed that we would already know that that's what he wants us to do. Just do it. And when we obey God, it changes things. Obedience, obedience, obedience. Everybody say just obey. Let me show you another reason why we fast. We fast to humble ourselves before God and obtain His grace and power. How many of you need grace every day? So that means that we should stay prayed up, doesn't it? If we have a continuous prayer life, Staying in the Word. I don't mean that you have to go like a monk in a monastery or some kind of nun in a convent uh, and uh, spend all these time. I mean in the course of your life. Seclude yourself with God before you go to work or before the day is over. Spend some time with when you When you do that, grace, more grace, more grace. In the Bible, many times the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is referred to as a spirit of grace. And I don't know about you, but I need the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of grace in my life all the time. In James chapter 4, verse 10, the Word of God says, Humble yourself, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. Hey, brothers and sisters, listen to your pastor. Listen, listen to me for a moment. When we fast and pray, it's not the opportunity for us to take the floodlight and put it on somebody else's life, pointing out their flaws. Fasting and prayer doesn't give you or me the right and the authority to go talking to God about all that's wrong with my wife or my children or my boss or my pastor. Fasting and prayer doesn't mean that I have the right to take the floodlight and go find out everybody else's uh, little speck in their eyes while I ignore the large beam coming out of mine. Fasting and prayer begins with introspection first. It begins with personal soul searching. The psalmist David said, search me, O Lord. Know my hearts. Know my ways. Try me and see if there be any wicked way in me. Search me. And what, God, what fasting and prayer first begins with is for God to take his floodlight, his searchlight, and search my mind, search my heart, search Search my bones, search my flesh, search the closet of my life. Fasting and prayer means that what I have to do is to say, God, you examine me, and if anything impedes my prayer and your power, get rid out of it out of my life. That's what fa- the first thing it produces, personal repentance. So when we pray tonight, when we pray in our fasting this week, first thing we're going to do is say, God, you know, I, I want to put myself on the altar. 
I need an attitude adjustment. God, I need a pride adjustment. Help me. Just for your, I'm not saying about your neighbor. God, I, I need to deal with this thing of lust and greed and judging people and procrastinating. God, I need to deal with this thing about racial issues that I have. I need to deal with this thing, oh God, of some idols I have in my life like money or sports or house or possession or other friendships and relationships. Can, can I get an amen here? I, I'm just simply saying that there are things that you cannot conquer nor I in our own power. But if we'll spend time with God, he will release the Holy Ghost to help us to overcome it. That's good preaching, whether I have to say it or not. Yeah, we humble ourselves. Um, let me show you something else. Here's another reason why we fast. We fast to overcome temptations in areas that keep us from moving into God's power. If the anointing of God is not flowing freely in your life, that's a good sign you need to pray and fast. To overcome temptations in your life, keep you from moving. Listen, if you, if you just come to church because it's socially acceptable and you don't enjoy it, you need to fast and pray that God will turn that around. If, if you, are dis, you don't like church, you don't like songs, you don't like the music, you just hear because you, you just hear because you feel like if you don't come, somebody will complain or your marriage might be uh, somewhat distracted or it may not look good socially, you, you've missed the whole reason. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go in the house of the Lord. You know, God is, God is not God of our lives to frustrate us and aggravate us and torture us and manipulate us. He wants a love relationship with us. He wants you to love the Bible. He can help you love it by helping you understand it. He wants you to love the house of worship. He wants to love you to lift, love to lift up holy hands and praise Him. He wants to love, help you love the fellowship of one another. God didn't create the church and the power of the church to make you miserable, but if it makes you miserable, you ought to excuse yourself in time of personal discipline of prayer and fasting and say, God, anoint me, restore me, give me. God didn't make you miserable. We make ourselves miserable. And let me hasten here. You know what? In order to overcome temptations in our lives, we got to move in with God before we move out in the world. Move in with God by personal disciplines, prayer, fasting, reading the Bible. Isn't that what Jesus did, Luke 4, before he went to public ministry? He was led by the Holy Spirit in the wilderness. And even though he decided to spend time with God 40 days in prayer and fasting, on three separate occasions, the devil showed up to tempt him. You remember that, church? You remember near the end of his fast, he was hungry because he was also flesh. And the devil tried to abort Jesus's discipline of fasting by suggesting to Jesus that you see these stones on the desert floor you are God speak to the stones make them bread eat and satisfy your hunger and the Holy Spirit Jesus himself said it is written man shall not live by bread alone though it's necessary but you won't live by that alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You get weak in fasting or praying this week, quote some word. Huh? How do you overcome these temptations, these, these vices? How do you fight those areas? You get close to God. Here's another thought, please. We fast to be purified from sin and to help others to be purified also. When you get a chance, 
That's why I give you these scriptures. Write them down. And when you go to praying and fasting or have your personal time, read these scriptures. This scripture's context in Daniel chapter 9 speaks about Daniel being in Babylon with his fellow citizens. They were in captivity. They would be there for 70 years. They were there because God had repeatedly warned them not to sin, not to disobey, not to leave His covenant. But if they sin and they disobey and they went to intermarrying with the heathen culture and worshiping their gods, God said, I will judge you. God sent prophet after prophet after prophet to warn them, look, I love you, I care about you, but I cannot keep ignoring and overlooking your violating my word and still want to be blessed. That's so true of an American church today. We want God to bless us, bless us, bless us. And somebody's come along and told us this is not sin. Political correctness says that's not sin, that's not wrong, that's okay. And God's a forgiving God. Do all you want to do and He'll forgive you anyhow. And God says, you know, enough is enough. Now I'm going to judge you. That's the Word of God. Daniel, is in, he's a man of God. If there's ever been a righteous man in captivity, Daniel was a righteous man. And yet in his righteousness, he realized that, that he himself needed to say, God, purify me. And, and if, he, if he was pure, he didn't just say, God, purify me. He repented for his whole country, all of Israel. He says, God, we are in a mess we're in, not because of your badness, but because of our wrong choices and decisions. Somebody ought to say amen or owe me here. And, and, and he says, God, I repent, for my, I repent for the people who won't repent. I repent for my nation. I repent for all of us. God, I want you to purify us. I want you to, Lord, I know we're going to be here 70 years, but have mercy on us. Let me, let me tell you something, friends. When we go to prayer and fasting, it's not just purifying ourselves. But we've got to do some repenting on behalf of other people who ain't going to repent. Because we're part of the culture. We're part of the culture that for many, many years now, over a collective period of time, over 40 million babies have been aborted in the womb of their mother. And most of that has been under the guise of convenience and covering up sin and not because the mother's health was threatened to the point of death. I'm telling you the truth here. I'm telling you that what we, that, that we call abortion, what God calls murder, and if our government will not repent and our doctors will not repent and clinics will not repent, we must say, God, forgive us as Americans. Forgive our fathers. Forgive others for all that they... We, we have to repent for somebody else. Let me tell you something. I want you to understand. Pornography, pornography they say, is uh, not a form of perversion as far as public, publicizing it or uh, putting it on the Internet. It's the freedom to do that they call it freedom of uh, speech or expression or art so it's on the internet it's on tv it's in magazines and yet it's perversion it's wrong it destroys marriages pornography and the appetite for pornography has called children to be molested babies to be molested women to be molested boys to be molested am i preaching here somebody but in america you know in america we got this i'm an adult i can do my own thing and yet you have people who have like the theodore bundys who've killed a lot of girls and now he's dead because of his crime. All because of this thing in America that we've said is freedom of expression. And God says it's sin, it's perversion, and we who know right need to ask God to forgive America and forgive our nation for condoning that trash. We need to ask God to forgive us 
for the Madeline Murray O'Hares who's taking prayer out of the school. She's dead and going on now. But the fact of the matter, the remnant of her misdeed and her atrocities remain in this country. We need to ask God to purify America. Somebody help me here. Political correctness in America tells you, well, you can sin and everything will be okay. Political correctness in America says to you, if you have to lie to weasel your way out of a certain situation, that's okay. If you have to tell a white lie or a small lie or a big lie and it's relevant and you can just get out of it, that's okay. You know, when the Lord said in one of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not lie, he didn't have a parenthetical statement after that statement. He didn't say only if it's a white lie or a small lie or any other kind of color lie. When the Lord says thou shalt not lie, he meant to protect our integrity and purify us. And even though the government or your family or somebody else are blessed, God can't. You know what's, you know what's amazing about it? Christianity in America now? If there's homosexuality in somebody else's family, it's blatant, it's wrong, it's evil. If there's homosexuality in somebody, uh, uh, pardon me, if there's divorce in somebody else's family, that's terrible. If there's alcoholism and addiction, it's terrible. But we Christians are sometimes guilty of when it comes into our family and our children and our marriage. But it's my son, it's my daughter. They've had a hard time and a hard life. And it's all right for them to bring their, bring their boyfriend or girlfriend and go to the back bedroom because I ain't got no place for that friend to sleep. And they can. You all didn't think I came to tickle your fancy, did you? I'm serious. I'm serious as I am standing here. I'm not playing. When I stand before God, He's going to ask me whether I patted you or sued you or whether I told you the truth. It's amazing. You know, I hate to admit that there are certain sins in the Matura family tree and genealogy. I hate to admit that there's homosexuality that goes into an extended family in the mature. I hate to admit that. But I also want to tell you why I love those people and I have counseled them and will counsel them and talk to them. They are going to know that I love them, but I'm not going to patronize it. They are going to know that if they choose that lifestyle, they are not, they, they are not going to bring that into my home. They are not going to bring, and, and if it was that case, and it should be the case, you know, if they choose to drink beer and alcohol, they will not drink it in my house. If they choose to bring pornography, they won't bring it at my house. If they, if they choose to hang posters of semi-naked, nude, nude tattoos, marked, scarred, pierced people of demonic rock bands choose to look at it someplace else they will not put it in the bedroom of my house where I pay the bills and I pay the utilities and I'm going to be kind and nice but as for me and my house as long as I have the power we will serve the Lord I'm telling you to play with sin is to caress cancer purify and you can't you love your husband you love your wife you love your children but you don't give them a free bill and a free ride jesus tells us pastor aren't you a little bit old-fashioned no i'm just a little bit biblical are you a little bit conservative no i'm just a little bit holiness jesus said i didn't come to bring unity I came to teach the truth and it will divide husband and wife. So be it. I came to put father against mother and mother against father and son against daughter and daughter against son for the sake of the truth. I didn't come to just bring peace, peace all the time. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Or like somebody says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you mad. I feel a hot glory in this bald head. I'm telling you, you, you can go to any other church and get your little 
lay me down to sleep kind of preaching. Some pastor been drinking beer Saturday night and got on the internet Sunday morning and got a little poem sermon. And y'all think, oh, God, help me. Purify yourself. Purify yourself. I'm responsible for purifying myself. I'm not a septic tank for the devil. I've done wrong and I've messed up, but when the Lord shows me, I get to get it clean. Purify yourself. Can you all take a little bit more of this good? Hey, uh, I've told this before, but it's worth telling again. Back years ago, in a, in a certain church, when revival took place in that church, an annual revival, a semi-annual revival, there was, there was this heathen who'd come to every revival in the same church and pray through every time. Pray through and go back and live like the devil, not come to church in between revivals. But he'd hear about the revival. And after he boozed it up and shacked it up and sucked it up and lived like the devil, he'd come and, and come on the altar. And he'd cry and wail and weep and throw his snot all over the place, use up the church's Kleenex. Forgive me, but that's his way. Then he'd, okay, he's back again. He's going he to last. Evangelist leaves and it's like he leaves. Next revival, same thing. One dear sister had seen that going over a cycle for a number of years. She's an older sister and more mature in the church. And they were praying with him on this one revival. And he was doing all that blowing and snorting and crying and yelling, Oh, God, oh, God, repent. And some person saying, Oh, God, just clear the cobwebs in his life. Just clear the cobwebs in his life. He got so much cobweb, he's sinning. The older lady said, No, excuse me. We need to pray to God to kill the spider. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. The spider produces the cobweb. If I went for surgery, I don't want the, the doctor to say, well, you know, I got a portion of the blockage. But since, you know, I like you and all, they want to stay in there too long. So I left out a little early and it's still blocked. What kind of stupid, that was the word I wasn't going to use this year. <laughs> I'll repent. Ah, what kind of doctor is it who's going to leave you partially diseased if he had the capacity to get you completely clean? Kill the spider. Somebody say kill the spider. I didn't say the preacher. I said the spider. Uh, in this book by Mahesh Shavda, here's a closing thought. Remember the choir saying, hold on. Let me, let me teach you this and I'm going to close. You're doing spiritual warfare. I wish that America was already. Now, I'm not saying this for political response or for sides, okay? I'm just telling you. I'm making an illustration, okay? I wish America was already out of Iraq. I also wish we never had to go, but since we went, I wish we could have gone and gotten out with the first battle. I wish that for former wars America has encountered in. World War I, World War II, etc. But in wars, as in life, it takes more than one encounter in engaging with the enemy to get the victory. Can I get an amen here? And I said that to tell you that I wish that we could just say, okay, I'm going to fast and pray one day, one hour, or just come to church on Sunday morning, and I'll get everything I need for the rest of my life. And that's not the case. You've got to sow and keep sowing. Pray and keep praying. Give and keep giving. Read and keep reading. Forgive and keep forgiving. Say amen. Repent and keep repenting. I'm not giving you a license to sin, but you know what I'm talking about. And you've got to hold on. Because some of the answers we need and some of the miracles we need to have in our lives will not just come because we go, boo, to the devil. 
Mahesh Shevda said he was preaching a crusade in Haiti. I think it's for Haiti. And uh, people were coming by the thousands. There were deliverances from demonic powers and marvelous healings night after night. And he said he observed that a lady would be led to the altar by a younger child each night. And the first night he discovered that this lady was blind, totally blind, born blind. And the younger child was her granddaughter. And the grandmother would lay her hand on the shoulder of the granddaughter. And the granddaughter would walk to the front for grandmother to have prayer for healing of her blindness. And the first night, Mahesh Shevda says, I prayed for her and the crowd was large and the power of God was there. He said, this lady was already evidently born again. And he said, I laid my hands on her and the power of God hit that blind grandmother and she hit the floor. The power of God. He said, I helped her up and I said, can you see? And she says, no, no. He said, well, come back again then. Meaning another time. He said, the second night, at the time of the invitation for laying on of hands and prayer, she came again, the granddaughter leading her. She's blind. She comes to the front. He said, well, I prayed for her this second night. Miracles already been happening in the, in the meeting. And the power of God hit her, and she hit the, hit the ground. I thought, boy, this is it. He helped her up, and he says, how about it? Can you see? And she's tried, and she says, no, I can't. He said, well, come again. She did the third night, same thing. The sixth night came around, and every night she came, and in the sixth night, the same thing happened. And he thought, God, what's going on here? Why is this? I prayed for people the first night or the first time, and, and all this lady's getting is touched. The power of God is upon her. She gets up and she's not healed. And he said, the seventh and the final night of the meeting came around, and uh, he was kind of dreading this part of the service. Because this precious grandmother would come again, and she did. And he thought, oh, God, wow. But he said, because of her obedience, he said, I laid hands on her, I prayed for her, the power of God hit her, she hit the ground. And he said, I started walking off because I didn't want to ask the question because I knew the answer. Started walking off and God said, help her up. Reach out and help her. He says, grandmother, how about it tonight? Can you see? She said, I can see you clearly. I can see, I can see. Ah, oh. seven times. Hold on. Now, here's a, here's a, here's a, here's a real, the rest of the story. He said about a year or so later, he was in a prolonged fast. He was on his 18th day of fasting. And he said, uh, the Lord showed him like a movie picture, like a video in his mind. The Lord took him back to that meeting, and he could see in living color that grandmother and that grandchild coming every night. And he said, the Lord showed him why the healing happened in that kind of manner. The Lord showed him that there was a demonic power, sort of like a, an, in the shape of, a, of an octop, octopus with tentacles that was holding this lady and covering her vision. Demonic power. And the Lord showed him that the first night he prayed for her, one of the tentacles loosed itself up. And the Lord showed him that each night in succession, the power of God had hit her, but something was happening in the spiritual, and another tentacle would be released until the seventh night, the last remaining tentacle of this demonic blindness and physical blindness was released, and she could see. And I, I'm telling you that to tell you, don't stop. You remember Daniel prayed for 21 days, and God heard him the first time, but there were angelic powers fighting 
Hold on. Stand, please. Now, here's how I'm going to close. If you want prayer after I close, and you come to the altar and I'll pray with you. Okay? We'll have church tonight at 6 o'clock. We'll have some word and we'll pray. We'll have some worship and praise. Listen to me now. I told you last week, and this is my desire, and it's not for self-engrandizement. I'm making this public declaration because I'm asking you to make a commitment also. I told you last week and explained there are times of public fasting and private fasting. Fasting. I feel the of the Lord to start my fast this evening at 6 o'clock and to make it through Wednesday evening at 6 o'clock without food, just water and maybe juice. Yeah, that's a combination, water and juice. That's, that's my path I'm going, okay, because I need to do this. I said it to you so you could pray for me, and I'm saying it to you to ask you to join me at whatever level you can. One day, half a day, two days, whatever. But I'm asking you this afternoon and this morning before you leave to ask God to show you and to participate with us. There'll be no sign-up sheets. I've done it in the past. There'll be no phone calls to you. And there won't even be any pat in the backs because there's going to be some warfare. But I, what I'm saying to you is I intend to see some harvest, some 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. And I intend to sow some seeds this week. So I want to ask you to join me, please, in prayer and fasting. I'm going to ask you, please, when you fast, don't force fast and just miss a meal. You've just missed a meal. That's all you've done. But exchange the time for the meal and for eating with prayer, the Word. Take a journal. Write it down. I've, I've got my list here. I brought my list to the pulpit, and I'll add to it. i got a typewritten list here of what I want to see happen in my church, in my family, in our community, in our nation. This is a year of national election. We've we got to have God. We've had some rain in Georgia, but we ain't had near enough rain that we need. We've got to have rain. We've got some major issues in our world. and I, I got, I, I'm going to bring this every time I come to pray. I want you to bring yours because I come to do business. Bow your heads. Pastor, God helping me, I'm going to fast and pray this week and read my Bible. God helping me, I'm going to join with you to the level God has showed me to join with you. I may not be able to make all the meetings and all the events, but where I am and what I'm doing, I'm going to listen to God. And I'm going to fast and pray and read the Word or some degree of combination of that as God shows me what I've done in the past. If that's your desire, raise your hands. Raise, I'm making this commitment to the Lord, Pastor. Now raise up your other hand, both hands together, and, I'll, and begin to pray that God will give you the power. Just begin to pray above a whisper, out loud enough to hear yourself. Say, God, I didn't just raise my hands to impress the people around me. I need the power. Heavenly Father, I join now with my brothers and sisters. And I ask you to give us the power to do what you asked of us to do and the willingness to do it. I pray, oh God, that you would cause us, Lord, to be able to stay so close to you that we would want to pray more. It'd be so sweet and so wonderful we wouldn't want to leave the place of prayer. I pray it would not be laborious and boring, but I pray it'd be like a sweet, we would be in the presence of God, it'd be like a sweet fragrance where we are in your presence and a sweet offering going up to your nostrils. And when we pray and fast, oh God, would you release angels for us? Say amen to that, church. Would you release our angels, which you gave us? They're not ours, they're yours. Release them to fight for us the battles. 
As we pray and fast, will you take the tentacles, help me pray here, take the tentacles of demonic powers off of our children, off of our marriage, off of the finances, off of our lives. Would you take your searchlight and search us and take out every dark place in us? Would you make us better husbands, better fathers, better men, better boys? Would you make them better wives, better women, better mothers, better grandmothers, better girls and daughters? Say amen to that, Lord. Would you bless South Metro Ministry, O oh God, where we don't come here to play church or to impress somebody else? Would you give us a double portion of the reign of heaven? Bless this week, O oh God, that we may see the things that need to happen when we pay the price. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Can you give an offering of thanks by putting your hands together? Yeah. Okay. Here's what I want you to do. I want you, while he plays, bring your prayer requests. Pastor Jeff's going to open the prayer chest. Leave it here with us. Go your way. Have a blessed and wonderful day. But bring those prayer concerns. Drop them in here and demonstrate your faith.